Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Bonnie Chavda by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power. Welcome with me, our brother Joey and Rich, who is off delivering his kids to Children's Church. <laughs> so welcome. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Every time the saints get together, it's a moment in history that will never be repeated. And so we are always ready and expectant to meet the Lord, have our eyes opened, and be nourished, encouraged, and conformed more fully to the image of Christ. So, um, gentlemen, take a seat. This morning, we are going to continue on uh, in some of our thoughts from last week, which uh, we were talking about looking at the significance of the event of the transfiguration. And we want to go to the next level of glory. We're on our way, sort of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, on our way towards Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit, which was in earth time a kind of culmination, in a sense, of the redemptive narrative of God where the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, which was the whole point of the gospel, was that man, the son of man, the sons of Adam, so to speak, would find vindication, justification, where we would not any longer be subject to the penalty of sin, which is death. But nobody could do it. Job in chapter 14 He's commiserating about all of this stuff. And he's miserable because he's tried to live a righteous life. And even his friends end up turning against him when his body fails him. And all of his works of righteousness have come to nothing. And he's in the midst of despair and destruction. And he says, can a clean thing come out of an unclean thing? He's talking about mortal man. And he says, no, there's no one. Job is one of the earliest books. But if you follow his story and the conversation, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, into 19, we see a foreshadowing of the promise of Christ in the resurrection. And ultimately, Job says, though my body die and decay in the earth, I know that my Redeemer lives and I shall see him in my flesh. In other words, in a body. And he shall stand at last where? On the earth. Praise the Lord. So we want to talk about the resurrection this morning. And Rich and Joey are going to um, help us put some thoughts together. So there are so many wonderful things. One of uh, the things, in fact, let's, let's look first at a couple of... Um, scriptures in the epistles that confirm the testimony of the synoptic gospels. And let me say again, as Eugene Peterson translates 1 Corinthians 15, somewhere in the 30 to 33, and Paul is talking about why he faces death and prison and wild beasts. And he says, you think I'm doing this for, you know, myself? No. He said, it's the resurrection Resurrection, resurrection. Say resurrection. resurrection. And so I think that perhaps modern Christians, modern day Christianity, even our theology, we have lost the reality of what it was that those first two or three centuries that people understood and lived for, unafraid of death, became the first ones to enter into incurable epidemics of disease because they knew their life would continue on. They'd been vindicated in Christ through the exchange at the cross, his triumph over death and hell, the resurrection, and the fact that they knew that they knew. And hey, listen, some of those folks were descendants of the 500 or so that saw the man Jesus, ate with him, talked with him, walked with him after he had been dead. So their testimony was sure, is yours. And if we can recover a living epiphany 
of the reality of the resurrection and the power of Christ in us now, perhaps God would give us grace to have that same kind of overcoming faith and expectation every day. And so the apostle says, because of all that, therefore, be steadfast, say steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor for him. And again, this is Paul who labored beyond all. And, and he and Peter both, in looking at their own end that they knew were coming and how they would die, and they wrote with all their might and joy and valor to the saints to contend for the faith. Why? Because of the resurrection. As I mentioned last week, the resurrection was demonstrated in advance in the transfiguration of Christ. And so these events are closely connected, and it's very important. It's very important because the location, 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 of two important things that are the radical demonstration of what Daniel said in chapter 7, when he saw the Son of Man, say Son of Man. Now that's important because we're talking about someone with a physical body, a mortal person. The Son of Man suddenly is in heaven. And he comes to the Ancient of Days and dominion is given to him. And this is while the beasts are raging. All those human kingdoms in the earth oppressing and destroying humanity against God. And interestingly enough, Daniel says that that man is given the kingdom and he will reign until, say until. Until what? Until all his enemies are put under his feet. And he also says in a little breath there that those beasts still had power for a time. We're living in those days. The, ongoing, the kingdom has come. So in the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus showed himself as the Son of Man, Son of God, the King. And that answers that crazy question. If you remember, the transfigure, transfiguration is sandwiched between the moment of Jesus saying, there are some standing here who won't die until they see the kingdom coming in power. He was speaking of James and Peter and John, who he took immediately into the mountain, showed himself to be the one from Daniel 7 of the kingdom having come. So the kingdom, I know we are all thinking, well, it's coming when Jesus comes. No. It came in him when the king revealed himself on the mountain. Mind you, this is before his death and resurrection. Isn't this amazing? Come on. Say kingdom. kingdom. King. King. Hallelujah. So transfiguration. One thing about the location. The location, Bashan or Bashan, was in the early uh, possession of the promised land. Bashan was the kingdom of Og. And Og was one of those remaining giants from the Genesis 6 rebellion where sons of heaven, daughters of earth, had offspring. I'm, not even, I'm just going to say, you know what? The Bible says it. There you go. That's enough for me. And Derek always used to say, if it's there, it's there. And if it's not there, don't get too deep into the weeds. I mean, that's not exactly the way he said it. But essentially, that's the way he directed us. And that's still good counsel. But this location where Peter's confession, remember, who do men say that I am? And you know people are still asking that question. And it's for us, with the epiphany we've had, a supernatural gift of God to know Christ and who he is, not just with the mind, but with human encounter by the Spirit to be able to say he is the Christ, the Son of God, the only hope of salvation, the name above every name. And Peter, 
as you remember, confesses by a revelation of the Father who Christ is. And then Jesus says, on that is what I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell, which is where he was standing locationally, called the gates of hell, but Sean, the old territory of Og, who got defeated in Numbers 21. And so he was demonstrating the ultimate victory over kingdoms, powers of darkness. And of course, the iconography, which we've looked at somewhat, one of the most famous events, of course, is in the telling of the resurrection and some of the great icons, and we might be able to get to that in a minute. So, um, but that gates of hell was at the foot of the mountain, Mount Hermon, where Jesus was transfigured. And so when they went up into the mountain, after Jesus said, there are some standing here who will not die until they see the kingdom come. He took them into the mountain and... You remember the event. They're sitting around the campfire and the disciples fall asleep and all of a sudden Peter wakes up because somebody's talking and he looks around the campfire and there sits Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And it says Jesus was whiter, brighter. His linen was whiter, brighter than any launderer could make it. That was the revelation of Daniel 7. In a significant place, because Jesus had come to say, you remember what happened on this mountain in the beginning where heaven and earth colluded together against God? Just want you to know the king is back where he belongs. Amen? Oh, come on. He must reign until every enemy is put under his feet. So that that location is very significant. He showed himself to be the one they would see in the resurrection. He showed himself beforehand. And so they knew this was indeed in the flesh, son of man, also the divine son of God, the king of glory. So a couple of scriptures and then I'll shut my trap because I know you guys have a lot also to say. So let's see, what's a couple of the important ones? And if you could jot these down, church, Everybody watching at home, go and look this week and allow the Lord to help you connect the dots in a fresh way that the reason, the tear, the reason for living as a Christian is because of the absolute assurance of the historical fact of the resurrection. Praise the Lord. So let's start with 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16 and 19. He says... For, uh, well, in fact, he's, he's already telling them at the beginning of his epistle, you've got to contend for this faith. Don't let anybody, anything take it from you. But he says in verse 16, we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So do you see that he's talking about a future event that they have already seen with their natural eyes once? Where did they see it? Don't think in the resurrection, because that's not what he's talking about here. Look what it says. For he received from God the Father honor, say honor, honor. and glory. When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice. So he remembers Jesus' baptism. And then he says to them, that same voice came to us on the mountain when the cloud overshadowed. And suddenly Moses and Elijah disappeared and we saw no one but Jesus only. And the father, that voice spoke to us again. We heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him, where? On the holy mountain, in the transfiguration. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. He's talking about all of scripture, Daniel 7, Isaiah, all of John, uh, of Elijah and Elisha, John the Baptist, all of Moses, so on and so forth. The prophetic word, the Psalms confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Amen. So our prayer today, Lord, 
rise in our hearts. So let's look at one more. And then we, in fact, I want to go to uh, read 1 Corinthians 15 this week and make sure you also read it in the Message Bible because there you'll see it very clearly as Eugene Peterson points out Paul's whole apologetic about the way he was living his life was because they were witnesses to the resurrection. And of course, Jesus met Paul after <laughs> all of the events even of, of the gospel record on the road to Damascus. So, um, yeah, let's look at the other one, which I love, which I don't think I marked in my Bible, but let me see if I can find something called Thessalonians. Are you there? All right. Well, sort of. A few, maybe. Okay. Oh, dear. Thank you, it is. And I'm there, but my eyes aren't beholding it. Go ahead. Is that one of the ones you had down? Well, we have a lot of crossover. But we Use the mic. Take it away. Yeah. Praise the Lord. We, um, there's, we have not compared notes. We've had a fair bit of crossover here. Praise the Lord, which is good. So 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 to 18. I want to read this. Paul says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. And he says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. That's going to be a loud shout, I'm sure. <laughs> with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus, thus we shall always be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. And I'll just give a testimony, real brief. Um, I'd submit this to you if this was a genuine spiritual experience or not, but... In my apartment in Rock Hill back in 2009, I was studying here in Zion College and I'd had a mighty deliverance about two weeks before. And in the middle of the night, I was in that half awake, half asleep state. And all of a sudden, I saw two wrists on my wrists. I saw, and it's the only time I've seen an angel in 31 years of being in the Lord. There was one wrist on this wrist of mine and another wrist on this wrist. And all of a sudden, I am shot right up at like lightning speed. And it was like, almost like a roller coaster ride. It was so exhilarating. And I'm shot right up. And then all of a sudden, I'm shot right back down again. And literally, I've gone under the earth. I've gone into this darkness and I can only explain it what the scripture talks about, outer darkness. And then, boom, I'm back on my bed again. And you might think that's weird and crazy and wacky. I, I just submit to you if that was a genuine spiritual experience. But I really felt it was focused on the Lord. And it was a slight foretaste, maybe, of being caught up. And that word caught up is a, a Greek word, harpazo which is almost suggests the exercise of a sudden force. Like when Philip was transported geographically in the book of Acts, it's the same word, same word that Paul used when he was caught up into heaven. So this is just so real. I don't think it was an experience in, in just in my soul. I do think it was in the spirit that when the time comes with a sudden force, it will be beam me up, Scotty, Boom, we'll be gone. And yeah. I'm a logical person as well. And it's just so real. Amen. And, you know, as we have said, um, he's talking here about another Greek word, the parousia, which was the word for the conquering kings 
coming back into their home city or the, the uh, central government of the empire and bringing all of the captives and the spoils of all of their conquering. And this is another area where we have neglected the biblical revelation of what's going to happen when Jesus comes. And we've made it so out there somewhere in the sweet by and by, very far away. But no, 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 no. Because the resurrection demonstrates God has a plan for the earth. And he is coming back. And in fact, the new Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven to the earth. And so when it says we will all be changed in a twinkling of an eye, indeed, we will be. We will take on a different tent. We will have a body like his, white and glistening, able to walk through walls. Mm. Rich, you think that was a roller coaster ride? You just wait. <laughs> you haven't imagined what God has up his sleeve. So say parousia. parousia. He's coming again, coming again. To, the to the earth. We who are alive, we are alive. and remain. We'll be caught up with him, and we will all be changed. So I hope you see that. You're not going, no, we're going, or if we go before he comes, we'll be going, amen. The resurrection is the fundamental doctrine of the church. Uh, the church foundation is the resurrection of Christ. And the Bible says it's a bodily resurrection. All your false religions and your cults will say he raised as a supernatural spirit, but he rose bodily. Uh, when he appeared to Thomas and the disciples, he said, handle me, I'm flesh and bone. So the Bible teaches a bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it also said our faith falls arise with the resurrection of Christ. And that says that Christ has not been risen. Our faith is in vain, and we are false witnesses, and we are still in our sins. So, the next thing is that uh, Ephesians, I mean Romans four and twenty-five says that Jesus was raised from the dead for our justification. Yes. And justification is a legal term, and uh, it means that we were guilty, and we were before the judge. And we know we are guilty, and we understand that we are guilty, and he pronounces us righteous. He forgives our sins, and he pronounces us righteous. So without the resurrection, there would be no justification. We wouldn't be made righteous. In uh, Ephesians 1 and 20, it said, God raised him from the dead and exalted him in his right hand, that he might be the head of all things in the church. So... He's ahead, and we have power in our lives because of the resurrection of Christ. We have that power. And also, his resurrection is proof. You know, we, uh, it wouldn't have been, it's proof that he sent the Holy Spirit. Every time we pray in tongues, it's proof of the resurrection mm. of Jesus Christ. And uh, the resurrection also opened the door for the rest of the gifts of the Spirit. So in the fivefold ministry, so every time you pray in tongues, it's proof that Jesus rose from the dead and that his sacrifice in heaven had been accepted by God that he had paid the full price of our sins. Okay. And uh, before we could be baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus had to be resurrected. And uh, we want to look at uh, one more thing I want to look at, and that was the thief on the cross. The resurrection is necessary for our salvation. And uh, when that thief said, Jesus, remember me when you come into my kingdom, well, that was a confession of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because they both were dying. And Jesus Died, died for our sins. He would die because he deserved to die. But he realized the Holy Spirit had given him a revelation that Jesus is the Messiah and that Jesus will be buried and rise from the dead. So when he said, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, remember me, he was making the confession of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
and we can have life and we can walk in the resurrection power because Jesus rose from the dead and he's the means of our justification and our salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. The other, um, that's awesome, Joey. The other engine, so to speak, that stirred in me as, as I prepared this was, I think for American Christians, this is probably the most hostile environment in America right now that American Christians have known since the founding of the nation. And for Western Christians, probably the most hostile it's been for many centuries. And I think from this resurrection perspective, there's encouragement for us. Whatever comes in our lives, in the natural that all humans go through, or whatever we face because we, we obey the law, but it's getting an eternal perspective because we know what's coming. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, fix your eyes on what is unseen. Because what is unseen is eternal. What is seen is temporary. Peter says, all this is going to be burned up. It's all going to melt. With, it's going to be boom. It's going to be gone. And in Romans 15.13, Paul says, you know, he prays, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Spirit. Now, this is a man who went through tremendous suffering. And I learned and learning to fix my eyes on what is unseen, especially in my late teens, early 20s, between 93 and 97, God put me through a, a tremendous furnace. It was such a difficult time that I learned in that time and it was very difficult, but the presence of the Lord was very thick at times as well. It was kind of a combination of the blessing of the Lord and just challenges. That this is all temporary. And I learned, especially in, in I've been through seasons of enjoyment, seasons of endurance. I mean, it, for me, it's, there's seasons of enjoyment and seasons of endurance. And through those enduring times, it's, I'm fixing my eyes right on what is unseen. Because when the time is right, whether I'm dead or I'm alive when the Lord comes, boom, last trumpet, be changed. So I want to encourage you, in difficult times, what will hold you to stay in the faith and stay in the local body is fixing your eyes what is unseen. Because all this is going to burn up. Amen. Amen. That's good. Joey? One of the things about the resurrection, uh, one of the prayers that Paul prayed for the church, that they will walk in the resurrection power. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. We have that power. And God said he will confirm his word with signs and wonders. And we can walk in that power and we can overcome in that power. And he said the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken our mortal bodies. That means he will make alive. That don't only mean make alive at the resurrection, but that means he will make us alive in healing in whatever need we have, whatever area of need that we have. He will quicken our mortal bodies because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. So, Ron, if you could help us. We want to invite you into this meditation, into this conversation. So if you have a question or thought, Armin, thank you. You can help us on that side. Um, about the transfiguration, the resurrection, the meaning of your life. And we might possibly even entertain other things beyond that. But we believe that... We are in a season where the local church is being called of God to re-engage in a dynamic way as who we really are. The Bible says the ground and pillar of truth. And frankly, in that, it requires for us to be able to commune and fellowship and think together about our faith and the dynamics of our faith. So if you have a question or a comment, please come to the microphone and let's engage together.
red button on the bottom, he said. <laughs> okay, hello. Joey, my mind just went <laughs> Bottom line for me, just right now, I just kind of like, whoa, stop right there. The gifts are the proof of the resurrection. Wow. I mean, if we could just meditate on, develop, and increase our pressing into letting the Lord develop whatever we need to do to be pressing into the Lord, to develop our gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in us, through us, working in our everyday life. My goodness, could you imagine the body of Christ? We would be that demonstration of the kingdom of God in the earth, which frankly, how can you can't argue with that? Right? So it's like it's like the guy that was blind. He's like, you know, you all want to argue all day long about whose parents and you know, were they in sin and how could this be? I don't know about all of that. All I know is once I was blind, but now I see. Come on. Come on. We don't we get caught up in a lot of the argumentation. Mm. Uh, and we have a good argument, but if we could just really start letting the Lord demonstrate through us the proof of the gifts, then I think we'd be so much more effective. Amen. Wow. Powerful. That was Would awesome. you like to elucidate on that? Uh, Jesus said it was expedient that he go away. Because if he didn't go away, the Holy Spirit could not come. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And when the Holy Spirit came, he appeared at tongues of fire. And it fell on each of the disciples. And they prayed in tongues. And this was proof that his sacrifice had been accepted, that he had risen from the dead. And that he was everything he said that he was. He was the Messiah. And let's not forget that in the, the religious mindset of the Jewish people at that time, their foundation in terms of the visitation of God manifest in their midst rested on the Sinai event. And now Sinai was reoccurring in the earth on the day of Pentecost. But this time, rather than on the mountain, the fire and the voice rested on every single one. And so we have the psalm, uh, the psalmist in Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord is full of power. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord causes a deer to give birth, which you know is my personal testimony about the miracle of our son Aaron. And it was all about the visitation and the, that immediate transferring and receiving, even into my own body afresh, the power of the person of the Holy Spirit who... Raise Christ from the dead. And it's still in the business of signs and wonders. Awesome. Bill. So, Cindy, I appreciate you, you saying, I'm over here. <laughs> I, I appreciate you saying, you know, oh, if we could just develop our gifts, you know, have the Lord lead us. And <clears throat> if you have a gift for cooking or whatever, and you know you've got this innate gift in you, you may not know how to cook, but you might have that gift in you. You need an instructor to show you the basics. And so I would challenge, I would challenge that some type of structure be created so that those who have certain giftings know how to take the first steps. Or maybe they've taken the first steps, but maybe this is how to make a gravy, you know? <laughs> it's very simple for, for people who know, but something very complex that can be easily overcome with just instruction. So I would, I would encourage and challenge uh, this church. I would, I'm challenging 
to create some type of atmosphere that we can engage in that would help us develop our individual gifts. Yes. I'm looking yes. at my two, yes. you know, partners in crime no, up here to see if they have no a answer required right now. But, but no, let, let, I, let me, I, I have a couple of things. But let me go back real quick to several years ago when we were taking the youth out to the mall. By the way, Bill is a fabulous cook, so <laughs> thus we understand. If you'd like to know how to make gravy, I'll teach you. <laughs> oh, um, and yeah, but it takes three days. No kidding. I'm not kidding you. Sometimes, yeah. Um, and I've had my share of gravy. So, uh, um, but going back to several years ago, when the youth were being taken to the malls, they were being given instruction for how to exercise the gifts of evangelism, of prophetic words, of words of knowledge, of healing. And I think that for me... Um, I, can, I can be in my room all day and go, oh, Lord, please show me the mm. first step. Mm. It only gets me so far, you know, so. It's good, Bill. Are you ready to volunteer to be that person? Um, to teach I, us how to make gravy? I, I know how to make gravy, but I don't quite know how to take the next steps on that. I've had experiences with the gifting, you know, that you and I have spoken about. I've had real-life experiences yeah. there, but... What better way for you to recognize the gifting that resides in you than to be put in a position of exercising those gifts and be able to share with whoever's with you in that moment? Yeah. See, I, I, should we take a vote on whether Bill should be the next one to lead this? Good Lord. Oh, 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 church, all in favor, we nominate, I, we nominate Bill Chaplinski. All in favor, say aye. Aye. <laughs> oh, so that's how it works. <laughs> okay. I got it. I got it. Here am I, no, Lord. I, Send I Bill. <laughs> I don't mind, but I, I would tell you this. If I led something, it would be as a fellow participant. Because I am no expert at that. Well, don't so. we find that attitude among the apostles? I mean, the guys yeah. that, you know, wrote the scriptures. Absolutely. So thank you. Amen, Bill. You need to think about that. I think I've just been voted in. <laughs> All right, let's finish this conversation later about how we're going to go about it. No, go ahead. Yeah, great question. Um, practically, I think for me, my great passion is, is the prophetic voice of the Lord, the prophetic gift. I thank God I'm, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a five-fold ministry prophet, but I have a little bit of grace in the prophetic gift. And for me, practically, the watch is the place yeah. to yeah. step out and Thank learn. You. And I tell you what, I, I, want, I want to encourage you in this house, I feel safe, because there's times we have, do have guidelines of what we cannot prophesy here. That's a whole other conversation. But I always feel safe stepping out here and bringing a prophetic word, because I'm confident if it was wacky or if it was off or if needed correction, it could be corrected. And I like prophecy to be public so it can be tested and weighed not taking people off in corners God is saying this and God is saying I don't like that there might be a place for that if you feel it's personal but I would encourage you in terms and there are practical gifts like cookery and, and that's awesome but in terms of spiritual gifts the nine gifts that Paul teaches about encourage you to come to the watch because we make space anyone have something from the Lord come up here's the mic yeah, we'll hold the mic and be brief about it. Don't give us your life story or, you know, just deliver what you feel the Lord is saying or write it on a sheet of paper. But for me, the watch is the space where I can learn and grow and others can be encouraged in the prophetic. If you have something from the Lord, here's the mic, speak it out or write it on a sheet of paper. So I would encourage you as tired as you may be on a Friday night, come to the watch. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, also, Bill, in addition to giving the gifts of the Spirit, when Jesus ascended, he gave the fivefold ministry. Amen. And the purpose of the fivefold ministry is so that lay people can, gifts can be developed, and that we can come to a point of maturity 
that we won't be tossed to and fro with every wind and wave of doctrine. And part of the gifts is, I remember when I was called into the ministry in a supernatural way, but God confirmed it through the fivefold ministry. And, and Paul was dealing with Timothy. He told Timothy not to forsake the gift that was imparted to you by the laying on, the laying on my hands. And so that's the purpose of the fivefold ministry. And a good way to function is in the watch because when we're dealing with the gifts of the Spirit, the Bible said, let every gift be tested. It said, don't despise prophesying, but test everything, prove everything, and hold fast to that which is good. Amen. 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 Do you think there's a need for that in our current yes. environment, right? Yes. There is now, it's like Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the only hope for the world is the local church, the resident church in the earth. Praise the Lord. So, Lord, help us and let us all commit afresh to give honor and glory to the Lord by recognizing the gifts of the Spirit he has made resident in us and not to keep them to ourselves and not to keep them undeveloped, Yes. but to make every effort for his full glory to be manifest in and through us, into the world. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's very interesting that we're having this conversation because mon this past Make Monday... Make sure you step close to the I'm microphone. Sorry. Thank you. It's very interesting that we have, we're having this conversation because this past Monday I was just speaking to my sister about speaking in tongues and the gift of spirit because she was not speaking in tongues. And uh, we had this whole discussion about it and after that discussion Wednesday she called me and she was like um, I want to do this and this for you and I was like well wh why because of the conversation we had about speaking in tongues and what the Holy Spirit has been dealing with me concerning that issue uh, and it's very interesting that we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit because the Lord has been dealing with me through other ministries how practice 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 with any other gift that you have is what it's going to take in order for us to develop these gifts and I want to also plug in Friday nights because I'm feeling that when <laughs> when I started coming more Friday nights the spirit the, the the gifts becomes more 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 enriched um, so Friday nights is a place, as Rich was discussing, for us to develop. Even if you're not, you're not sure what you're supposed to do, the Holy Spirit will begin to deal with us on those issues. And not only that, you get to take something home back for you, come back on Sunday, and take it back to get through the rest of the week. So I just want to just encourage everyone that uh, I just feel that this is such a blessing because when you be begin to talk about the uh, gifts of the Spirit, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit has been dealing with me uh, throughout the month of May. So I just want to just say, hooray! Yay! Praise the Lord! <laughs> Woo! Yes! I, I, mine is more just a comment. Going back to the, the context of what you were speaking about on the Mount of Transfiguration and how... Um, Peter and was was drawn into this encounter and this experience with Christ, and in the context of um, him seeing what was going on in in Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, and in being brought up into the kingdom heaven on earth, that um, Peter recognized Moses and Elijah for who they were, mm -hmm. it, you know, in heaven will know one another without any formal introduction. So that's just something that stood out to me in the context of the conversation. Wow, that's a good thought, Leah. Thank you for that. And mind you, I'll say it again. They weren't a, it wasn't a vision. They weren't ghosts or spirits. There were three men sitting on the other side of the campfire talking. Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Praise the Lord. Good morning. I just want to share, um, and I think this all connects um, with what you guys, what you're talking about this morning, um, where the Lord has had me for um, a long time, and it's what I'm learning through coming to the watch on Friday, just about listening to him and hearing where he's moving and what he wants to do in the local church. And it's um, Isaiah 11. 
Um, and it's 11-2, and I'm holding this because I need readers, but I don't have them. And it talks about Yeshua, Jesus, and the seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit that Jesus walked in on earth and how at this time, this is what he's calling his local church to walk in. And it, it says, the spirit of the Lord. So hang on just a minute, because I think this is a moment of receiving something by faith, because we know what Isaiah 11 says. And so let's just say, as she announces each one of these from scripture, we are receiving afresh, Lord, your impartation, your fire on those gifts resident in us. Amen? Amen. All right, go ahead. It's um, Isaiah 11:2, and it says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Amen. The spirit of wisdom Amen. and of understanding, Thank you. the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Mm and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And because we have been immersed in Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, we have all of that living, yes. moving, abiding, operating in us. And we are to go forth as his church and intercede and apply these gifts and mm -hmm. power and in glory and in wisdom, because like he said in the book of Daniel, that he gave Daniel and his friend 10 times the wisdom of the world. Hallelujah. We have it, let's apply it and live it out. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Wow. Amen. So, um, Dick Leggett, I apologize, but I want to put you on the spot for a moment because in this context about the spirit resting on Jesus, could you, I know you can, could you just speak to that just a moment? I know we were just together uh, celebrating what the Lord is doing through the ministry that you are leading. But this is a pertinent revelation for us now about the spirit of the Lord resting on Jesus and abiding there because. Welcome, Dick. Would you welcome Dick, please? So we go way, way back. Dick and Cindy. Dick is the president, as you know, of Derek Prince Ministries here in town. But Dick was our worship leader when Pastor Mahesh and I were pastoring in Good News Church. Good News Fellowship, I think it was called at the time, in Fort Lauderdale a thousand years ago. Oh, sorry, Dick. I didn't mean to age us, but... That's okay. Um, I'm going to pull a political trick on you. Okay. If you ever watch it, I, I spent my time, some time of in an earlier part of my life in politics. And what politicians do is they say, Bonnie, that is an amazing topic you've come up with. And I really appreciate that question. What I want to talk to you about is, <laughs> and then they'll talk whatever, about whatever they want. Um, honestly, that whole issue of the spirit resting on us and the uh, Jesus has called us uh, to walk in the same way. Um, over the last few days, the, the thought that has come to me, and I have to attribute it to a dear friend of mine, um, Dick Eastman, who's the, the head of um, Every Home for Christ, a real prayer warrior, a real giant in the, in the whole realm of prayer. But <clears throat> it was a commentary from Jeremiah 33.3 that he wrote in the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, which I don't know whether you're familiar with that Bible, but it's a Bible that uh, Pastor Jack Hayford called together about 30 of his friends and had them write commentaries on certain aspects of the faith. Uh, and the, the, one of the verses that Dick Eastman commented on was Jeremiah 33.3, which is called to me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Yeah. Now, I know I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I am going to get to this. I'm, I'm wandering right now, but all of this is going to end up in us 
walking in the Spirit. Because what I would say to us is, in these days that we're in, and I, I really believe what Rich said, I believe what Bonnie said, that the days that we are in right now are really unprecedented. And so we're going to have to walk in the Spirit, as Jesus did, in an unprecedented way. Um, you know, Jesus was the Son of God, clearly. But I don't think we attribute enough to Jesus of the fact that he was the Son of Man. So we say, we see what Jesus did, and we say, well, you know, that was Jesus. That's not us. That was Jesus. Well, Jesus was a man. And Jesus was operating by the Spirit of God. So back to Jeremiah 33.3. God says, call to me and I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. What Dick Eastman said about that was, when God says he'll show us great things, we know, we can testify. He has showed us some amazing, wonderful, great things. Great things are great things. But the word mighty in the original Hebrew means inaccessible or fenced in. And what God is promising us is that if we call to him, he will answer us and he will show us not only great things, but things that we could not possibly access except by the Spirit of God. Wow. Wow. A good example of that, think of um, Elisha. I think it's uh, 2 Kings 6 where, remember, Elisha had been telling all the secrets of the king of Syria to the king of Israel. And um, the king of Syria got a little disgruntled about that and said to his guys, okay, which one of you is ratting us out? Which one of you guys is a spy for the Israelis? And one of the guys said, you know, O king, there's a guy in Israel who tells the king of Israel what you say in your bedroom. And so he said, go kill that guy now. So the whole army of Syria had gathered around Elisha's house. And poor Gehazi, who is Elisha's servant, <laughs> wanders out that morning to go get water and looks around. And he goes in and he says, boss, we got trouble. <laughs> and Elisha was perfectly calm. His first comment was, look, those that are with us are many more than those. That he didn't even know that they were surrounded. I don't think Gehazi had even said anything to him. He knew. But then the next thing he said was, Lord, open his eyes. And so the scripture very dispassionately says, so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. What did he see? The fenced in, the inaccessible. And all I can say is that's the realm that Elisha walked in regularly. Now, I'm not saying that we all ought to walk like Elisha. But in this respect, I think we do need to walk as Elisha. It's that spirit of God. And the spirit of God is in us, will open those realms us to, up to us. But my thought in seeing that was, what would life be like if we could continually walk and see and understand in the same moment that Peter experienced on the Mount of Transfiguration, in the same moment that Geh that young man Gehazi experienced when Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes. The same experience that Elisha walked in as he moved 
in the purposes of God on the earth. And the thing about it is, and this will kind of blow your circuits, God commands us, or as Derek Prince used to say, he commands us. <laughs> Call to me. God promises, I will answer you, and I will show you great, mighty things which you do not know. That's the realm that Jesus walked in, Thank you, and that's the realm by the Spirit that we walk in as well. Sorry for the mini-sermon, but you asked for it, Bob. Wow, thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Yeah, we um, want to respond to that word in faith right now. So just focus on the Lord. Raise your hands. And let's say after me, I say we have faith. We have faith. To receive from the Lord. To receive from the Lord. And just believe God to release something right now. So Lord, we pray, we respond to that word, we call on you to show us amazing things that we do not know. We pray, Lord, for a release of that spirit of wisdom, knowledge, counsel, understanding, might, fear of the Lord. I pray, Lord, we eagerly desire and pray you would release a seer gift that we individually in our families, our churches, city, region, and nations would see what's coming. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will tell you things to come. This is a ministry of the Holy Spirit for every believer. May we see what's coming. To be able to stop it. Not everything is fatalistic. That it, God can show us something that the devil's trying to do or what could happen in the natural. And we step in and stop it. Or it's just coming. Whether we like it or not. But we know how to prepare for it. Agabus prophesied a famine. They sent aid to the church to prepare for it. So I want to just pray, Lord, release, Amen, Lord. see a gift now for every believer. And may we stay balanced in the see a gift and the prophetic gifts in Jesus' name. Uh, in response to what the gentleman said, uh, Jesus was fully God. He was fully man. But every miracle Jesus did, he did it as a man. He didn't do it as God. Even raising the dead, walking on the water, he did it as a man under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's part of the reason that Jesus said, greater works than these you should do because he was going to give us the same Holy Spirit that he had. And we would do a greater, not maybe a greater quality, but a greater quantity because the Holy Spirit would be in each one of us. And when he uh, got ready to ascend into heaven, he uh, told his disciples, he gave them the great commission. And he said, all power in the heaven and earth have been given unto me. And when he told them, go, it will automatically pass down to those disciples and to the church. Yes. Amen. 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 Just a quick, quick, quick testimony about what you just said about the seer anointing. This is just a practical, very, very practical thing that just happened this uh, a week and a half ago. I was getting on a Zoom call with another intercessor who works with Intercessors for America, and we were just going to catch up about something, and just in a blurb, I, I still don't even remember where I saw this headline. It was either on a post or maybe on the local news or something, but we're talking about something, and then the Holy Spirit reminded me that I just saw this headline that said, if you're familiar with Charlotte, uh, there is a spot in the center of town called the Epicenter. The Epicenter has had a series of 
unfortunate events over the last few years where crime and all kinds of crazy stuff has happened, but it's the epicenter of Charlotte. And it's the, the headline was, epicenter is going to be auctioned off. Tomorrow, which was that day, at 10 a.m. And I went, hold on, hold on. Before we go get off this phone call, I saw this headline. I feel like we need to pray against the wrong developer, buyer, anyone that would, would want to buy that property that is not of God. And the minute, just being in that position and saying, oh, Lord, we need to pray about this. It was just like the floodgate opened. We, I mean, the spirit of God came and just the two of us in a power of agreement. We felt like we shut the door on anything that was not of God. And then we prayed in the, for the release of the right people developer or you know company or those with the creative ideas that it's going to be a blessing in charlotte not a curse so we just were like that was amazing we don't we don't know what what's going to happen but we felt like as watchmen in this city who all of us have invested in prayer we had authority in that moment you know who okay let's just do it the next morning, I was at work. I happened to hear the local news, just a little blurb. And so I had to go look it up to see exactly what they said. But this was on WBTV. The epicenter in Uptown Charlotte was set to go up for auction this morning. But it has been pushed back until this summer. The auction at the Mecklenburg County Courthouse, originally scheduled for 10 a.m., was postponed until July 26th at 10 a.m., so we're gonna keep praying. Officials couldn't say what the reasons were <laughs> for the postponement. <laughs> wow, woo, so come on. Just pay attention to those little things that pop into your mind. You might, don't, don't, you know, when I was really young in the Lord, I was always looking for the audible voice. Mm. And I, I wasn't sure how God spoke. But then as he began to confirm, you get a thought. You think it's your own thought, but it's not. It's from the Lord, and that's where you test it. You know, is this something that would be beneficial if we prayed and, it, and the Lord had his will? Or could there be bad consequences if we don't pray? And just act in faith, and I'm telling you, then... It opens up to you. So. Praise the Lord. Not by might. Not by, might. Not by, power, not by power. By power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Yeah. All right. Real quickly, one more. Okay. Pastor Rod, I got the scripture in Friday night watch. Right to the mic. Thank you. Friday night watch. And it just ties into what everybody was saying. Like Rich says. That when we get things in a watch and we get things in the spirit, you submit it to test it. So our first level as children, we submit it to our mother. Hey, we think this is hearing from this. And then she's like, and she'll judge it, yes or no. So I encourage everybody, you, as, as believers, we submit things, we test it, and we prove it. So even to what, Cindy, you were just saying about this, the scripture was Daniel 2, 23. We read it earlier in the watch when we were talking about where kings, God places kings and he sets down kings or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I did, like you say, Pastor Bonnie, read the whole context. I was reading down the whole scripture and I ended up at 23 where Daniel said, he thanked God. He said, I thank you and praise you, O God, of my fathers who has given me wisdom and might and has made, me know, has made known to me now what we desired of you. For you have made us, for you have made known to us the solution to the king's problem. Wow. wow. And I told my mom, I said, oh, they were reading that scripture that sets down kings and places up kings. I said, but I think 23 is the answer that we as believers versus praying against politicians or praying this, come on, give us the solution come to on. the problem. And I think even as Cindy, so she was reading about the epicenter, it was God. Here's a problem. 
here's a solution yes. and I'm going to work it out. And I think that when the spirit rests upon us and we're going in the spirit, we're going to be the solution or we're going to be given the solutions to the problems where we don't have to worry about who's leading or whatnot. Oh, we have on. the problem. You're going to come to us because we have the solution. So I got that in the watch. Wow. Yes. You, our hearts are open. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Bonnie Chavda, visit us at chavdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at 1-800-730-6264. God bless you.